Good day and welcome everyone to Voices to Dream podcast. I'm Suzanne Mann, the challenge girl, and it's been a little while since I've done a podcast and I must admit I I get a little, I don't know, I get a bit, little nervous. Um, I'm excited as well when I come back from not having done it for a little while, but I've just finished reading this book, Until I Become Purpose, Perseverance, Payoff by Darren Jacqueline. And after reading it, I thought, I think I need to speak to Darren and I need to I need to get you guys to listen to what he's got to say. We have a lot of things in common, I think, in practices and beliefs that he has. So I'm really excited to share those with you. We also have some differences or I don't know, things that I guess things that I I, I want to discuss with him that I'm just not quite sure about. They're different for me. And I guess I wonder why they are. So I hope you're going to enjoy the episode. As always, I would so appreciate comments, like, subscribe, share, and yeah, talk to me. And another thing, just always, if anyone has any suggestions as to who you would like me to be speaking to, I'm always open to hearing those as well. I've had a few suggestions lately and I cannot wait to bring those guests to you. So please let me know and I hope you enjoy this episode. See you soon. Hello and welcome to another episode of Voices to Dream. I am thrilled to have Darren Jacqueline with me today. Welcome, Darren. I'm grateful to be here. Now, Darren is, oh, we've, we've been chatting for like one minute and already I'm like, oh, okay, there's too much. I need to push record. <laughs> Darren has this list of things, of ways to describe him. But I'm, so I, at the moment, Darren is an author and for those who are just listening, he has his book, Until I Become, Purpose, Perseverance, and Payoff. Ah, oh, he's Sir. This is what I just discussed with him. I just said, what do I call you? <laughs> this is Sir, <laughs> sir Darren Jacqueline. That's how quick yeah, I am. Recently knighted by the King of Spain. Yeah, the Royal Family of Spain. Royal actually, Family yeah. of Spain. How incredible is that? Author, mentor, trainer, entrepreneur, board of directors, and also run, just happens to run like a philanthropic foundation as well. So, you know, plenty of spare time Darren has to. <laughs> so that's why I'm so thrilled that he's made time for me. And I want to get into, but the way I, well, first of all, the way I met Darren was actually through one of my past guests from the show, Angela Gorin. So yeah. um, anyone who hasn't listened to her po podcast, oh, you have to. She's incredible. And yeah, so then I just started following Darren on Instagram and was really interested in what he was doing. Got his book and just thought, yeah, you're like a little, sort of like a kindred spirit. Like, okay, anyone who knows me outside the podcast, one thing that Darren just said to me a minute ago was, I talk to anyone and everyone. And that's what everyone says about me. <laughs> <laughs> people are like really how did you meet this person and I went well I just stopped and talked spoke to them 
I said hi. So um, before we start, I just wanted to check in with you, Darren, and yeah, see how you're checking in today. You know, I'm uh, here in Orlando, Florida, USA right now. I've uh, been on the road for the last couple of weeks here. I, I live in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada's home, uh, but I'm on a tour right now on business trips here across the U.S. And uh, so I'm grateful to be here. And, you know, I'm feeling great. It's, uh, you know, all we are is a network of conversations. And I find that when we come from authenticity and vulnerability and from the heart, mm-hmm. connecting to other souls and human beings. And so opportunities live inside of conversations. And so right now, you ask me how I'm checking in. Today, I've actually been training for hiking Mount Kilimanjaro in Tanzania, Tanzania East Africa, coming up in a few months. And so uh, it's 19,340 feet in elevation, or about 6,000 meters. And so something I never thought I'd ever do in my life. And out of that, it come incredible amount of opportunities and now really creating a ripple of impact to people's lives with E2E Elevate to Educate. But uh, so I'm feeling great. I'm in the best physical, mental, uh, energetic state of my life uh, for wow. who I am now. I'm grateful. I love it. Wow. And this is, this is it as well, isn't it? People think that, I don't know, you you get more energy by expending the energy as well. It's, it's amazing. So Darren, okay. I was hoping that you could introduce yourself more for us and, you know, talk about where you came from and that, but also I wanted to sort of clarify. So with all of these things that you do, I mean, you've already sort of even, sort of said it yourself. Now, I guess what I see you doing is that you train others for success so that then they are better able to give of themselves or give the funds to then help others. It all ends up coming back to serving others and greater humanity. Is that right? Yeah, so I had a lot of adversities and failures and challenges to kind of give maybe some context on maybe the backstory, the come up story, the success story, just so people have some more context. You know, I failed grade one of public school, was misdiagnosed with a learning disability and a reading disability by the school system. And I was put into what we call special education from grade one all the way through to grade 12. So I never went to regular public school. I was in special education my whole entire life. Mm. And so I was told I'd never amount to much. I'd never go far, never do much in my life. I was a slow learner. I was put on a drug called Ritalin to medicate myself uh, because of hyperactivity. And um, so at age seven, I created my first company called Rent-A-Kid. And I would go out and cut grass, I'd shovel snow in the wintertime, deliver newspapers six days a week. And I was just in my community, in my neighborhood, looking around at opportunities of how I could serve my community and solve problems. And by the time I was nine years of age, I hired my two best friends. Um, and, you know, I'll be 51 this year of age. And I'm still great friends with those two friends from age nine back then growing up, still communicating yeah. with them a few a year. Amazing. And then struggled academically throughout junior high school. And in grade 11, I was taken out of class one day by a guidance counselor and a school teacher. They sat down with me and they said, listen, you may not graduate from grade 12. You don't have the academic marks. You're never going to go to college, never going to university. What do you want to do if we graduate you and you get your grade 12? What do you want to do? And I said, I want to travel the world. I want to build companies. I want to have a lot of fun. I want to make a lot of money. I want to make a big difference in the world. And money was never the driver. I wanted freedom because all my life from grade one to grade 12, I was always being told what to do. I was, yeah. you know, the misfit. I was a class clown. I'm thinking I'm always getting in trouble in school and I'm not doing anything. I just show up and I'm in trouble, right? I'm just in the room, in the environment. I'm in trouble. I'm thinking this is not for me. 
And so I wanted to create freedom where I could go to bed when I'm tired, wake up when I'm done sleeping, live life on my own terms, but also make decisions that could empower and serve humanity. And uh, so um, I told my guidance counselor and school teacher that I want to do that. And they both looked at each other and they laughed and said, Darren, kids like you don't go far in life. You might you know, work in the oil and gas industry. You might work in agriculture or farming. You might get a government job, work for you, but you're never going to amount to much. Yeah. And if you graduate, you know, it's not going to do much for you because you're not going to have a university or college degree. And I thought to myself, why do I have to have a university or college degree? Why don't I just hire those smart kids? Because as I was growing up, <laughs> my Renegade business, I was the dumbest kid. I was the dumbest kid in school, but I hired the smart kids around me. So yeah. I just, and the key thing is to success that I've built is building teams of people. That's the key thing is that, you know, and if people are taking notes, one of the key things I talk about until I become the book is most of your goals and dreams do not require your actions. I have over 7,000 written goals for my life that are documented written goals, <laughs> over 7,000. My goal is to get the 10,000 written goals. And it's a stretch yeah. because they keep, uh, keep checking them off, keep achieving. And I've been writing goals for many years because I was taught many years ago by my mentors that you write goals down. And then you create structures and then you put them into your calendar because whatever you really, really, really want in your life, if you don't structure, like write it down. You have to make so time for it. it. Exactly. And then put it into your calendar and then create structures. And so most of our goals and dreams don't require our actions. It's all about creating teams and teamwork. So if you look at all of our group of companies, the Darren Jack group of companies, we look at Link Foundation, which is an international foundation. Look at E2 Elevate to Educate. Behind the scenes, there's teams of people that have roles and responsibilities. We have a structure, we have systems, and we have processes. And behind that, and then we do a lot of collaboration, a lot of culture building, a lot of team building, and a lot of meetings, right? Mm -hmm. And we're always collaborating virtually on Zoom video conferencing, WhatsApp, and different platforms. But, and, and I'll share with you a secret as well. The majority of these people are women. I have mm -hmm. around me, my core inner circle is primarily women. Yeah. Um, because I in my life, I've made a lot of mistakes. And some of these mistakes have been financially cost me. And what I've learned was when it comes to building teams, women are great at nurturing and creating culture and creating a collaboration. Mm. They're really good at making sure that we mitigate our blind spots and our risks and our liabilities. And women are also very good at female intuition. And I've made some big, big mistakes in my past where I didn't listen to the women around me. And I went ahead and moved forward. And it cost me financially big time, almost mm -hmm. to the point where I almost went bankrupt a few times. And so I've learned now that when women are around me and their female intuition says, I don't feel good about this, I listen. And I yeah. listen really, really closely yeah. because it, there's some gold there in that uh, intuition. Mm. Well, it's like it's like how they say um, in diplomatic situations, when there's a mm -hmm. female in the room, the it's there's the, the chance of it actually working increases phenomenally, Absolutely. you know, sure. and, will, and it lasts longer. So it does. And you know, the thing when it comes to integrity, because without integrity, nothing works. There's no workability. Mm -hmm. And I always share with people that time will either promote you or time will expose you. It's just a matter of time, whether you get promoted or you get exposed. And so people say to me, Hey, do you hear about so-and-so they're cheating on their wife? Hey, they're going to get promoted. They're going to get exposed. Somebody's trying to, you know, I get people all the time through social media to send me some kind of, Hey, check out this tax scheme thing. Not interested. Because time will promote your time will expose you. It's just a matter of time. I'm about doing things with integrity because with integrity comes workability. And you build a strong foundation with structure, then systems and processes. And if you have a strong foundation, which is your integrity, over time, that foundation is going to weaken and then it's going to eventually just crumble, 
right? Mm. And so the key thing is, is a lot of times people, you know, and I've been there in tight spots financially. Like I was on welfare for a few months. I've had my car repossessed. Uh, in Canada, I had an R9 credit rating, which is the worst possible credit score you can get as an R9. Like yeah. I've been upside down, choked out financially. I've had creditors come to my door where they weren't making telephone calls or sending out, you know, collection notes in the mail. They actually started making home call, home home calls to my door, collecting yeah. money. So I, in my 20s and 30s, I was in really rough shape financially. Then at 38, I sat down with myself and looked at my mirror and said, I am done. I cannot live this way anymore. I have too much pain in my life. Either I'm going to commit suicide or I've got to get this sorted out, figured out. So all my 40s was about getting my money right because I was so upside down financially. And I thought if I want to play a big game and really love all over the world and serve humanity, I got to take care of my own backyard first and get my house in order because I was I was a fake and a fraud. I was out of integrity. I was playing this big game. But in behind the scenes, it was chaos. It was mm. chaos. Mm. And I realized that I was completely out of integrity. Same thing with my health in the last couple of years. During COVID-19, I got exposed. I didn't get promoted. I was 43 pounds heavier in weight because I was the guy at the buffet. I was the guy eating the, you know, 11 o'clock at night, checking at the hotel and eating the, you know, dining room, uh, you know, for, on the menu to room service at the hotel. Yeah. I was the guy going to 7-Eleven and doing something. And I thought, wait a second here. I'm treating my body like a, like a woodshed, not like a temple. I'm treating it like an outhouse. I got to get myself into integrity here and really start to look at my health and vitality and my longevity. And so these defining moments have really shaped my life and who I am today in terms of workability. Mm. Oh my goodness. Well, and what, what inspired you then to, but I guess, I mean, like the fact that you've just done that during COVID and that, <laughs> what's then inspired, is that what's inspired you to write the book That's now? question. Um, I had no interest in ever writing a book. In fact, yeah. Mark Victor Hansen, who co-authored Chicken Soup for the Soul, we traveled across Canada many years ago. You know, Mark and Jack Canfield have sold over 500 million copies mm -hmm. of the Chicken Soul book series. They're actually in the Guinness Book of World Records for most amount of books sold on the planet. And Mark told me one day at dinner, he goes, Jerry, you need to write a book. I have no interest because I had negative self-talk yeah. from my childhood programming called Trauma, Childhood Trauma. They said to me, who's ever going to listen to your backstory? So during covid I, I journal every day. So I have a daily journal. So I, it's a non-negotiable every day I journal. I've been doing it for many, many years. And during COVID-19, during the lockdown, so Tatiana, my partner in life, she has three academic degrees. So isn't that funny? I barely passed public <laughs> high school, special education, but my partner in life has three academic degrees from the top universities in Canada. Yeah. And Tatiana was also a high school teacher for 35 years. So isn't that wow. interesting how, you know, our voids fill our values in life. Mm -hmm. And so what happens during covid I went into my storage locker because we couldn't go anywhere in lockdown. And I was going through all these old journals. And one of the things I do as a habit is every five years, I'll actually go in, in, into a storage locker and I'll go look at my journals yeah. in my rubber-made totes. I'll look at my journals of where my life was five years from now as a reflection point. Yeah. And what I discovered was all these things that I had accomplished and achieved personally for my life. And Tatiana said to me, she went through my journals because normally they're private conversations. I, don't I know. Share them, yeah. Right? Until I die. And Tatiana has a master's degree in curriculum education. Okay. She's very smart, very, very high level intuition, but incredibly brilliant woman, Tatiana. And Tatiana looks at me and she said to me, see, it would be a disservice to humanity if you did not write a book during COVID, if we did not build a team on Zoom video conferencing, we, we got a team, we hired a team of people, and we wrote a book to make a difference in serving humanity. It would be a disservice to humanity. And I felt that because there's a book that's been written called The Five Love Languages by mm -hmm. Dr. Garrett Chapman. It's a New York Times bestselling book. Yeah. And 
when people go online to do the test, the five love languages test, or they read the book, the five love languages, there's five different love languages, acts of service, words of affirmations, quality time, gifts, and physical touch, no particular order. Yeah. And every human being on the planet has those five uh, values, right? So my number one love language is acts of service. Mm -hmm. That's my number one love language is acts of service, being of service. Number two is words of affirmations. Number three for me is quality time. Number four is gifts. And number five is actually physical touch. Yeah. My physical touch is my least. Um, so we built the team during COVID, during the lockdown. And, and, and then I built the team. We rewrote the book and then had focus groups and different people collaborating with me virtually. And people were like, wow, um, this is really going to make a difference. And so it came out publicly. And now it's an international book. And it's in multiple cities, countries, continents all over the world. You know, it's in colleges. It's in universities. Professors are using it. Teachers are using it. Uh, business entrepreneurs, executives. Uh, lots of, I have many parents who come to me all the time and said, my children that are in junior high or high school are reading as a book reporter, as a study book. Mm -hmm. um, we're paying them allowance or we're not paying them allowance. Uh, I had somebody just yesterday, actually, it was kind of interesting. I had an Uber driver. I was at the airport and an Uber driver picked me up and he looks at me and goes, you look familiar. And I said, uh, have you ever picked me up before? And he goes, no, no, you look familiar. And so we had, we had a, a, about a 45 minute Uber ride together. And he said to me, he says, did you write a book? And I said, I did with my team. Yeah. He goes, is it until I become, I said, yeah. He goes, I got that book recommended by another <laughs> driver or by another passenger a few weeks ago. And I ordered the book off Amazon. Yeah. So you just never, never assume you're not being observed. Never assume yeah. not being observed. You never know the ripple of impact yeah. of how you can impact human beings. Because I didn't know the Uber driver before he picked me up. Yeah. Right. The algorithm took care of that with all the Uber drivers in the area. And he he was the person who got a chance to pick me up and yeah. spend that time together. So it was incredible. How cool is that? How amazing is that? That then he's recognized yeah. you as well. That's that. I love that. And I love that. Yes. Yeah, someone recommended it to him and he was then already ordering it and stuff. That's it. It's it's I guess that's showing that. I mean, he had a sense of agency in himself. He so did. I love that. But OK. Now, in Until I Become, so there's, you list many of the different, like it's sort of each chapter, so everyone understands, each chapter is sort of like a, it's like a value that of how you, um, that you use to live your life. Um, mm -hmm. I'm actually going to, and I'm starting with one of the very last ones, because <laughs> we touched on it then as well. But you say tenacity is important. And one of the things yeah. that it totally floored me was because I feel like I feel like everyone does this like surely everyone does it was that you what do you say that three percent only three percent of the world's population sets goals how is that possible yeah so it, here's here's a great example and I I'm a very practical person what I invite people to consider doing as an experiential exercise is just walk around your neighborhood your community or on social media walk around your neighborhood and ask this one specific question next time you have a conversation with somebody ask them this question I'm just curious what is it you really, really, really want in your life? And then just listen. And the number one consistent answer is, I don't know. Mm -hmm. People have not clearly, specifically defined what is it they want for their life, personally, and profession. They've never, they don't know. So a lot of people have fantasies and they have the thinking and they have a lottery ticket mentality where it's like, you know, someday if I win the lottery or I get an inheritance or I, I marry a rich man or woman, I'll do this. Mm -hmm. um, the key thing is, is writing those goals down. So only 3% of the world population actually write written goals. You know, I've trained and developed over a million people over a 25 year corporate training career. 
And I was traveling 50 countries on four continents. I was traveling almost 300 days a year. And I would ask this question frequently in all my corporate training seminars in the past over a 25 year period. Yeah. What is it you really, really want in your life? And sometimes I'd have 10,000 people in an audience. Sometimes I'd have a hundred people in an audience, you know, it varied from day to day and week to week. And the number one consistent answer was, I don't know. And so if people just really took the time to get specific is what is it you really want? And then write it down on paper, write it in a journal. What is it you really want? Because when people realize that when you write these goals or dreams, and, and it's interesting because I have in my life, I'll show you, I have, um, so I have every day, I have my personal, here we go, see, I have my personal promises. So I write out in my journal every day as a non-negotiable day to have it. I write out my personal promises, my top 10. So out of 7,000 plus goals, I every year take 10, my top 10, and I write them down every single day as a non-negotiable daily habit. Yeah. And when I have a setback or an adversity or a failure or a drawback, I then write it down again. Last year, I wrote it down 786 times in my journal. I metric yeah. it. Okay. <laughs> so it's consistent. So the key thing is that I consistently year after year will average, you know, six or seven or sometimes even eight of those goals, those dreams I will achieve. Now, here's one of the reasons also. When you write down your goals and you take your goals from I should or I must to an, a standard. So like I realized like I will life, or I will. Yeah, I was 43 pounds heavier. Mm -hmm. I'm not the guy that goes to a gym. I'm kind of clumsy when it goes to a gym. I'm not somebody who's good at playing sports. I'm clumsy. Uh, if you take me to a, a yoga class, I'll be in the back and I'll be watching people <laughs> because I'm a visual auditory kinesthetic learner. I don't kinesthetically feel it right away. I've got to visually see it, hear it, and then experience it in my body. That's just the way I'm wired. And so with myself was, um, I realized, okay, I'm not good at sports. I'm not good at hanging out, working out the gym. Um, the first day I ever went to a gym, I actually went on to a treadmill and I fell off and broke three ribs. My first no. day ever having a gym room. No. I fell off the treadmill. I, I cranked it up too fast and I crossed the not, gym off. No gym. And I fell off. Right. And um, so I started hiking. And my first day of hiking, I went out with a couple of people in Vancouver, Canada. And I did this hike, which would take about 45 minutes. And you could take children in an elementary school physical education class and they could do this hike in a gym class in probably an hour and a half, two hours. Yeah. I was so scared, so out of my comfort zone, so out of shape and so out of breath. I was stop and go, stop and go, stop and go. I got to the top of this uh, hike in North Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada called Quarry Rock. It's in Deep Cove. For, if anybody's in Canada that's watching this, they may know where that is. It's a well-known hike. And it's a pretty easy hike. It's a high tourism hike. A lot of tourists come yeah. there. And I was so out of breath and so out of shape. I thought, oh my gosh. I feel so embarrassed. I may have to call the search and rescue. Yeah. I, I, I don't know if I can get back to the parking lot and back to my vehicle. That's yeah. how out of shape and out of breath I was. And when I did make it back, it took me a few hours. When I did get back, I realized that, okay, I need to work on myself. This is a non-negotiable. This is unacceptable. My standards are too low. And yeah. so what I did was I then created a hiking group with a few other people on a WhatsApp channel and we started hiking. And then what happened was people started to come to me and said, okay, great, we're going to do something. So from there, I created E2E, Elevate to Educate, which is a hiking fundraising division now for Link Foundation, Link Leadership Academy. So we bring people out now to hike from all walks of life, from all over the world, from all different age groups. Yeah. They come out, we hike, 
we collect money from off the registration fees and corporate sponsorship. And then that money goes to build a new Link Leadership Academy school for some of the most impoverished children on the planet. Wow. So I took something that was, I was something I was not good at, something yep. that I was embarrassed by, something that I was completely out of shape and out of breath. And I took a, I took an obstacle or a crisis in my life and turned it into an opportunity to bless and serve a lot of people around the world. And now we're building schools. We've already built our first school in Liberia, West Africa, with over 300 children going to school from preschool to grade six that would never, ever be able to go to school. We've decreased human and child sex trafficking and organ harvesting. We've decreased um, what we call teenage pregnancies because Psychology Today magazine, which has been around for decades, in December of 2022, did an article on Link Foundation and yeah. our Link Leadership of how we're making a difference in these children's lives in some of the most impoverished countries in the world, specifically right now, Liberia. So I'm thinking to myself, isn't that fascinating how here I am struggling, out of shape, out of breath, right? Not knowing I'm going to be able to get back to the parking lot to my own vehicle. Yeah. And now we're in an international movement called Elevate to Educate, E2E, which is bringing people from all walks of life. So I took an adversity, a crisis, a challenge, and turned it into an opportunity zone that's now blessing and serving a lot of people. Ah, I love it. I love it. <laughs> yeah. And this people is... watching this can be involved with this from no matter where you are. Yeah. Around the world, they can be involved with this. Yeah, and join the global community and be and a part of making a difference. Is that what? Because I was, I was a little bit confused about the. Um, how do you say it? Link, link, link foundation. Link foundation. Okay, so because L Y Q N K, but it's but it's pronounced Link Foundation. Okay, Link Foundation. So does all of the money for the Link Foundation go towards the school building? Yes, correct. Yeah, yeah. We have a small amount of uh, expenses when people use their credit cards, stuff like that, you know, credit cards. Yes, yeah. And stuff like yeah. That. But yeah, and the cool thing is we're about transparency and we're also about integrity. Yeah. And so what we do is when people go to link.org, like our if, if, like with hiking, it's hikingfundraiser.com and that links to all our social media. So what happens is people come out hiking, for example, with Elevate to Educate, they come out hiking and if they have a social media account like Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, um, uh, TikTok, they can then go to our E2E uh, social media pages or our Link Foundation pages mm -hmm. and they can watch everything unfold. So their hard-earned financial dollars that they've that they that they're working for in their lives, they can now see that ripple effect. So people can come out hiking, and yeah. and you can come out for the walk and be like, oh my gosh, you know, I'm working a minimum wage job, but because of my contribution, I'm actually building a school for some of the most impoverished. Yeah, that's very planet. cool, isn't it? It gives them bragging rights because then they feel a part of humanity that they're at. Because a lot of people come in, you know, Darren, good for you, man, that you can play a big game and really do a lot of things in humanity. Man, I'm just trying to put a roof over my head and feed my family or or, or you pay my bills on time. And I'm like, man, I can relate to you. I was there for a number of years of my life. So now we give anybody from all walks of life, whether it's a high school student, a college university student. I had a young little girl who's 14 years old, came to me recently and she says, I'm babysitting now in my community and I'm 14 and, and I and I go out and babysit and I'm going to take some of my money. I'm going to tie some of my babysitting money and I'm going to get my registration for E2E. I'm going to come out and do the hike and then I can watch these children through social media with my parents' wow. supervision and dad to know that I'm making a difference. So this young girl grows up at 14 years of age, knowing that she's babysitting, solving a problem because the parents want to go out for a night. The world. Yeah. Of and she gets to go out. And so she babysits, right? Solves a problem for this family. She makes some money. She then contributes something to Link Foundation and then to Elevate to Educate. And then guess what? Then she gets to go onto her social media and then she gets a chance to see the ripple of impact. 
that yeah. she's created just from her going babysitting. She's now helping to build a school, which will be around for many, many years. So throughout yeah. her life from 14 on for many, many years, she gets the chance to journey with us and see those kids grow up in some of the most impoverished countries in the world and grow up and get an education. She gets a chance. So it's kind of like having a pen pal. Yeah. She's just part of that. Yeah. Beautiful. That's so yeah. beautiful. Now I want to go back for a second. Sure. If you are willing to share it with us, sure. your list. So, so what sort of goals are on your list now that you're writing every day? Yeah, it's a great question. So I have, uh, <laughs> so I, I, I have, a, I have the whole sheet. Well, I have this is part of the sheet. So I work <laughs> in um, family and home goals. Yeah. Financial and career, mental and educational, uh, physical and health, social and cultural, spiritual and ethical, and then legacy. Yeah, And so I have over 7,000 written goals. And so um, when I'm on social media or I'm having conversations with people and people are like, yeah, I'm just taking this trip or I'm going on this cruise or I'm going to this restaurant or I'm going to this concert, I'm going to, I'm always listening and leaning into the conversation. I'm thinking, oh, I'd love to do that. Love to see that. Love to and taste that. You write it down. That's a goal. And I'm constantly, so I take out my mobile phone and I'm writing it down. And then when I get home, I put it into my, um, my master plan for my life. So I have a whole master plan for my life. So I add those goals in there. Mm -hmm. And then what I do is every Sunday I have in my calendar, I have a one hour slotted as a recurring meeting in my calendar to actually review my goals. So I don't review all of them, all the 7,000 plus goals, but I go through a few hundred of them. And when I'm on an airplane or a long international flight, I'll actually at the hotel, I'll actually print off the, the paper. And what I'll do is I'll spend a couple hours listening to inspiring music on the airplane, yeah. going through goals. And I close my eyes and I start dream building and visualizing. And sometimes I'm crying on the plane. And sometimes I'm just like, you know, level 15 in terms of energy, in terms of people <laughs> like, what the heck's going on with this guy? But I'm just feeling so inspiring, so grateful for my life because I want to do things in my life. You know, you know, in business, people talk about ROI, return on investment. Yes. Yeah. There's two key metrics that people have left out in their life, return on life and return on energy. Mm. So I always say, I always say to people whenever you go do something ask up this does this feel good to do or does it not feel good to do so yeah. whenever someone gives you an invitation to do something like you know I would say ask yourself this question does this feel good to do this or does it not feel good to do this and just trust your intuition your gut does it feel right or not yeah and listen to your body when I take people out hiking at nighttime hiking people always ask me they go Darren is there wild animals out here I said yeah some of these hiking trails are as well. I was like, oh my gosh, are we going to see a black bear or a cougar or a coyote or a wolf? And I said, possibly. It's rare, but we might. And they go, they go, oh my gosh, I'm feeling anxious or I'm feeling scared or you know, I'm I'm, I'm free, freaking out. I'm mean, listen. Here's something to consider: the th the fear is real, so feel the fear in your body. Honor and celebrate your body mm. that your body's giving you a gift to feel that. Feel that. Honor and embrace your body for feeling that. So the fear is real, but the threat is not. Yeah. And I ask people, where else does that show up in your life? Where you have fear from asking that person on a date, asking for that job promotion. Asking what, for if? That, what if? What yeah, if? <laughs> asking for someone to endorse you or recommend you. Asking for someone to help you or mentor, or guide, or coach you, right? The fear, you feel that fear. Public speaking, asking for the sale, whatever it is. You feel the fear, but there's no threat that you're going to die. There's no threat of immediate danger. Mm -hmm. So when I take people uh, at nighttime hiking, what happens is it puts them into the present moment mm. where they have to trust themselves and rely on themselves and, and all the noise and all the mind chatter just, just, just filters out. And then they're in this 
present moment now. And that's why I love what we're doing with E2E and Elevate to Educate is we're actually helping people with their mental health and their wellness. Mm. We're actually people get grounded. As I go, you know, with Link Foundation, we go to Africa and we do humanitarian trips. And it's interesting when you go into these villages in the third world countries and you meet with the people who have no internet, no electricity, no running water, but their feet never leave the planet Earth. They're always grounded. And, and yeah. first, people live in high rises and office towers and, you know, and, and they're above off the ground. And but people over in the third world, they never leave the ground. They're always grounded. So when I take people out hiking, you know, people really start to have authentic and vulnerable conversations and they connect to their true authentic self. Mm. We invite them to come back home within their yeah. bodies. And that few hours for a lot of people is very emotional because they're so busy being busy that they're not taking self-care time yeah. to honor themselves. They're just go, go, go all the time. And so I want to bring people back home to being within their bodies where they feel safe and they mm -hmm. feel grounded, they feel connected to themselves because they matter and they're important. As human beings, we're all a network of conversation on this planet, but we all are a piece of the life puzzle. We all matter. We all play a role in this planet, in this ecosystem, yep. in this global village on the planet interconnected. Correct. Beautiful. Ah, I do. See, I, you are, you're speaking my language. <laughs> my, any of my close friends are going to be like, oh, Suzanne, this guy's just like you. Well, <laughs> now one of the things, and, and this is like what you were saying. I mean, it's the, the, you gave the perfect example already that you were, you were given the problem of not being able to walk up the hike and then yeah. you made it into an opportunity and it's one of the things that you really I mean in the book you call it the abundance mindset yes. I hadn't really heard it termed that before but I mean again it's something that I, I try to live by all the time I'm you know I'm whenever it's whenever there's a problem that comes up even with my kids you know one of the mm -hmm. main reasons that I have done all the work on myself is so that then I can pass that on to my kids. Yes. You know, they, they don't always listen, but I figure if I live the best my, the best life I can and be mm -hmm. the best person I'm able to be and be of service, then hopefully they see that and that's something that passes on. And so I'm always trying to say to them, you know, for example, if there's a if there's a problem, have a conversation about it, you know, mm -hmm. and, and turn that around. Why does it, you know, someone said to me the other day, something about getting a flat tire here. And, and I laughed and she's like, you laugh about everything. Why are you laughing about that? How would that be funny? And I went, you know what? I guess I just think it's an adventure. Well, I'll share something with you about a flat tire. So my first trip ever to Africa was in Benin, West Africa. I'm outside of the capital of Kotonou, Benin, West Africa. It was back in 2011. And I'm out one night and, and I have a translator and I have a driver and we're going to look for big snakes. Uh, this is <laughs> As Africa, you do. <laughs> right, yeah. And I'm thinking, well, I don't want to get too close to a big snake, but I'm, so we're out in the middle of this rural area in Africa, right? In, in Benin, West Africa. I don't know anybody. I don't speak the language because it's French language over there is primary language. Mm -hmm. And what happens was we we uh, get a flat tire way out in the middle of nowhere. Like there's no cellular phone reception. Like there's no farms. Like we, you know, there's no AAA. There's no roadside assistance. There's no 911. No. Nobody is coming to rescue us. Yeah. Right. So nobody's coming to rescue us. So we get a flat tire in the, in the rear of the tire. So we, we stop the car and, and in about two hours, it's going to get dark. 
And I'm like, what the heck are we going to do? So my mind's going into all this scenario planning, you know, best case scenario, likely case scenario, worst case scenario, you know, strengths, weaknesses, opportunity, threats, whole SWOT analysis in my mind. I'm analyzing all this stuff, right? <laughs> you know, best case scenario, worst case scenario, all this stuff. Right. And the driver's just sitting there very calm, very relaxed. And we're there for several minutes. I'm thinking, what the heck is this guy going to do? So the driver gets out. He doesn't speak a word of English. He gets out. He goes into, he goes around, pops open the trunk of the vehicle he takes out this big machete knife. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. This is how my life is going to go down. This is how I'm going to freaking die. Are you sure this is how I'm going to really die today? I, I'm out here. I have nobody to help me. Nobody's going to risk me. And the guy's going to try and kill us. This is what's going to happen. This is what I'm playing out my mind, right? Yeah. The guy goes into the ditch. Let's call it a ditch. We're not the gravel road because it's not really a gravel road. It's not, not like you see in the first world gravel road. It's potholes and it's rough. Yeah. And, it's, and you know, you got to see a chiropractor and a massage therapist and acupuncture after going down that road kind of thing, right? And, um, so he starts whacking all this grass. I think, what the heck is this guy doing? We got to start getting resourceful here and start planning to, it's going to get dark soon. He's making so a tent, a camp. <laughs> he's taking all this grass and putting it behind the vehicle. Yeah. And then he goes over to the, the flat tire, gets down on his knees, and he cuts the tire with the machete nap, just like carving a turkey at Thanksgiving. But what is this guy doing? He then takes the grass, Suzanne, and he starts stuffing the inner cavity of the tire with grass. Love it. Mm. And we get back in the vehicle and then we drive down the road. Now, Dr. Stephen Covey wrote a book called many years ago called The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Yeah. It's a phenomenal book. It's one of my favorite books in my library, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And Dr. Stephen Covey talks about in that book called A Paradigm Shift. And I never understood what a paradigm shift was when Dr. Covey would talk about it in the book. I like I couldn't get the right understanding of what a paradigm was. Well, I had a paradigm shift when I saw this driver turn a crisis into an opportunity. Yeah. Right? Whereas to me, it was a crisis. There's no opportunity. I it was a blind spot to me. I'm thinking we got a challenge here right now, and we got to figure this out because it's getting dark soon. I'm going to get scared. Right? I don't know where to go. I'm out in the middle of rural Africa here. I don't I don't have any resources or contacts. But we drove and it was much slower, but we made it into the town, into the next village and then got the tire looked after and got it changed. And I got back home to the hotel that night, but I would never in my lifetime ever, ever thought about cutting the grass in the ditch, <laughs> cutting the tire and putting grass in the vehicle. Now I have a lot of friends of mine who are farmers, people who live in rural agriculture areas and they're like, that's genius. Yeah. Yeah. I never yeah. thought of that, but that experience, you know, many years ago has really helped me a lot in my life today, yeah. turning, transforming obstacles into opportunities or transforming obstacles into monetization, which is cash flow. Yes. I think, well, I think it's Stephen Covey who, cause I, I always, who did event plus response equals outcome. Outcome, correct. Yeah, and e that's, plus oh, yes. That's one of my favorites <laughs> that I bring up because I'm like, yeah, I remember reading that and I just went, oh, that makes sense. And for me, I make the plus sign. I, I mm -hmm. added to it and I made the plus sign a breath oh, event. Like yeah. The, take a breath. Then your response brings you the outcome. Oh, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. <laughs> so I totally get you there. And I do. I love that story. I know. I, I never would have thought of it either, but you know, <laughs> and you came out alive. Uh, yeah. yeah. You know, he could have used, used your head for the wheel, but he decided well, not to. <laughs> and it was interesting because the, that driver was just another day for him. He's like, yeah. oh, big deal. Okay, we got a flat tire. Okay. He's like, why on? is this guy worrying? <laughs> and I'm freaking out, right? As a tourist.
I love it. So good. Um, Okay. Now you've sort of explained this, but this is what, this was, I keep saying that we're very similar and I feel like we've got these similar ideas about things, but there was like this part where when I'm reading the book, I'm like, oh, I just, and which is, uh, it's strange for me because obviously I live in the Bahamas. I am, I'm well off. You're in paradise, yeah. That's right. I'm living in paradise. But for me, again, to be of service, I don't think of, and I don't think of making money at all. Okay. And I mean, admittedly, nothing I do, which my husband doesn't really love, but nothing I do makes money. Mm-hmm. And, um, but yet I love that's, you know, service is my love language as well. It's, it's Absolutely. definitely, it's, it's the thing that gives me energy and inspires me. So when I'm reading your book and like, okay, so to point out, one of the things was, for example, your, and I, I understand because I'm all into manifesting as well. well. Now I've lost the page here, but there's a page where you have a photo of, no, a, a picture of all the people, meet. all the people that you want to meet in the world. Yes. And, and then you talk about things like um, proximity is power. Yes. And I guess like, I totally understand that, but there is that part of me that like it sort of just doesn't feel right with it. And I don't even sure. know why that is. I actually feel like, you know, it's something that doesn't sit right in me. But why is that? And how does it, how do you mold the two together? Yeah. How do you still, how do you still have this goal that you're going to only fly in private jets, but yet be wanting to be all of service? Absolutely. Yeah. So great question. So the key thing is it comes back to a hierarchy of values. And Dr. John Martini, who's a good friend of mine, a mentor of mine for many years, he um, is well known for human behavior. And every human being has a hierarchy of values. And your life is demonstrated and you live by your hierarchy of values. And so mm-hmm. if money's not important to you, it's serving people. But the key thing is it just shows up in a different form. Right. So money, so money can show up in a different form. Right. So, so for example, um, you know, I have thousands of people in my mobile phone. And so what's the financial price to that? Some people would pay a lot of money to have access to my contacts. Me being excited as a serve, people like, man, I'd love to have that guy on my board of directors or my advisory board because I could leverage that. Mm -hmm. Right. I'd like to have him be involved in my business because I could leverage that. Somebody will put a price to that. Um, Your children depends on the day you might give your kids away for free or you might sell your kids, right? Depends (laughs) on the day, right? You do know me well. (laughs) Yeah. And the thing is too, is what it looks like is, so the key thing is to consider is look at your children, right? When everything, as human beings, all we are is a network of conversations, Mm -hmm. okay? So when proximity is power, so if your children get around the right people, they have a different influence and impact in their lives. So if they're around people who are doing drugs, illegal drugs, mm-hmm. then that can have an impact, whether it's negative or positive, it can have an impact. So proximity is power. So it's not what you know, it's who you know, it's who they mm-hmm. know that knows you. So give an example. In my life growing up, there was always the um, the how and the who, the how and the who. So a lot of people, when they're growing up, they're saying, well, how am I going to do this? Man, I'm, you know, I'm tight for financial cash this month. How am I going to do a sideline hustle or a side gig or sell some stuff to pay my bills? How am I going to do this? And we get into our heads and sometimes we get overwhelmed. We get anxiety. We have fear. We have doubt. We have worry. 
Uh, we we just we just shut down. Some people get into analysis paralysis where they don't see the next degree. But for most people, they don't take the action because the fear overrides the yeah, taking the action. Definitely. So the key thing is it's never about the how, it's about the who. Mm-hmm. So one of the things I talk about in Until I Become the book is as human beings, all we are is a network of conversations. Anything that you really, really, really want in your life is going to come from having conversations with strangers. But guess what? We've been programmed by our environments growing up that chill, but talking to strangers is unsafe. Don't talk to strangers. How many times do we consistently hear that and frequently hear that growing up as, as children in our environments growing up? Don't talk to strangers. Yeah. But yet strangers, everything we want, need, and desire in our lives because all we are is a network of conversations. So there's never anything wrong with what you do. Everything you do does not generate money. But what it does is it provides value and service to people, mm. right? So it just shows up in a different form. So to me, I'm not motivated by money. Even though I make a lot of money, I'm not motivated by money. I use money as a tool, right? So like with E2, Elevate to Educate, we collect people, we collect the registration. Now, people say to me sometimes like, why should I pay to go hiking when I can just go on the all trap sale and go hike that trail for free? You can. That's yeah. a, That's an option. Yeah. Or you come out and be our global community and be part of our community and network and collaborate and be in conversation and feel inspired and feel uh, connected. Part of the community. Yep. Part of the community. And by your hard-earned financial dollars, you can contribute some money. Link foundations and international foundations so we can give you a tax receipt as well. Some people it's important, some people it's not. But also, then you get a chance to be part of our social media platforming community where you get a chance to see your hard-earned financial dollars you contributing as a fair means of an exchange mm. to now paint it forward and pass it on and serving somebody through Link Foundation. Now you get a chance to help out some of those impoverished people that you never thought you would be able to do before. Yeah. So that's part of our, that's our container. That's our ecosystem. Yeah. So one of the things to consider is that what you're doing, there's nothing wrong with that. So the thing is, and that's where teams come into play. So I have some people that are involved with Link Foundation that money to them is evil. They don't want it. They don't want to make a lot of money. They just want to have enough money to be comfortable, to, to pay their necessities, to pay their bills, but they have a big generous heart. They want to serve humanity. So that's where playing on teams comes in. That You have different people from all walks of life, with no judgment. They come together as a team to be mm-hmm. part of something, right? And so the key thing is, is that, and when I talk about abundance, like you mentioned earlier, so there's, we, some people come from lack and scarcity and yeah. some people come from abundance and prosperity. So I'll give you a practical example. The next time you go into a restaurant and you sit down in a restaurant, no matter what restaurant is, you sit down and you get a menu. So the, the waiter or waitress comes by and gives you a menu. Just notice when you sit down, just notice your human behavior. Okay. So that and anybody else listener watching, just notice how your body and your mind is wired, just human behavior. That when you sit down automatically, most people read the menu from right to left. Yeah. Just watch, just notice when you're in a restaurant, right left. People look at how much things cost on the menu, then they make a decision what they're going to eat. Mm-hmm. Okay. What if you can walk into a restaurant, sit down, not even look at the price on the menu, just decide what you want. And if they don't have it on the menu, if they've got a chef or a cook in the back, him or her, you can just order. And they're like, well, it's an extra charge. That's fine. I don't care. I want to spend the quality time with my family or who I'm with. Or you're teaching your children. So the key thing is, and here's another thing to consider that really shifts people's mindset in until I become. We do not have money problems in life. I used to always have a belief system that we have money problems. Mm-hmm. I used to blame my negative relatives. I used to blame the government. I used to blame the politicians. I was always blaming, 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 blaming everybody for my lack of financial resources. Okay. I had too much month at the end of the money. And when I realized that we do not have money problems in life, we only have thinking problems in life. 
There's no lack of money in the world. There's an overflowing financial abundance of money. I take people in third world countries today that have a mobile cell phone. They can be in Africa, India, pick any other country on the continent. As long as they have a cellular phone connection or an internet connection, whether it's dial-up or high speed, yeah. or whatever they got, the World Wide Web, www. <laughs> used to be called World Wide Web. Yep, Today yep. it's called World Wide Wealth. Yeah. Right? So here's the key thing is we don't have money problems like we don't have thinking problems. The fastest way to solve, to make to make money is to actually solve a problem. So when I was a kid with my, when I was a kid with my Rent-A-Kid business, I wanted a new bicycle. So what I do, rather than bug my parents, I thought, how can I solve a problem in my neighborhood by going to cut the grass, going to shovel the snow in the wintertime, rake the leaves, uh, take the garbage, paint the fence, uh, walk the dog, right? Uh, take in the mail where people wait on vacation and water their lawns, water their flowers, water their plants. So I would solve a problem by being in service to my community and by solving a problem as a fair means of exchange, I would have a monetary, uh, receiving monetary gain for that as a fair means of exchange. Yeah. So always look at always having a balance as a fair means of exchange. Yeah. And uh, so yeah. if it's you want to make more money, solve a problem. That's yeah. the biggest thing is to solve a problem. Yeah. Okay. Well, how about, well, this is just yeah. a question, just a general sure. question for you then. With things like proximity is power, and I totally get it. Mm -hmm. Do you, well, do, do you ever think that then the people you meet now think you're using them? No, because, because it's all about integrity and having an authentic conversation. See, when people meet people, do they, what's the agenda or what's the hidden agenda? Yeah. I'm full transparency with people. I'm full transparency with people. I have no ulterior motive, no hidden agenda. I'm just fully transparent. So I have like, for example, with social media, I have a lot of people. I, I get hundreds of messages a week that I go through in my team filters and we delete most of the messages because people are transactional, not being relational. It's what mm. I can get versus what I can give. Yeah. Right. So like I ask people sometimes to come out and be volunteer crew members with Link Foundation or Elevate to Educate, E2E. And people are like, why would I volunteer my time? I need to get paid for that. Well, consider two things. One is I'm giving you a seat at the table. Yeah, yeah. I'm giving you a chance to have a seat at the table. I'm opening a door for you to have a seat at the table. You you would, you could fly in from anywhere in the world and have a seat at the table to be a volunteer crew member. First thing is you're going to see the table. Second thing is you get a chance to be in the container, the ecosystem. You get a chance to be in the conversation. Because the key thing is, you see, a lot of times people say, well, I have to go out and make money. No, you don't. You should have to be around the right people who've already made money and find a way to solve a problem to be in fair means of exchange and receive the money. <laughs> it and sounds so easy. <laughs> it's it's all about a network of conversations. It, yeah. it, it actually is quite easy because when we when we put it on ourselves, like, well, how am I going to act or behave in that environment? Just be your authentic self. Yeah. The key thing is vulnerability. So I'll give you an example. So for many years of my life, Suzanne, I didn't want to tell people I was struggling financially. I didn't want to tell people I was homeless and on the streets and on welfare. I didn't want to tell people I had an R9 credit rating. I didn't want to tell people that. And even when I wrote the book Until I Become, when I talked about sleeping in hotel rooms, yeah, when I was hard. doing corporate training seminars, right? Like I was saying, what's, what are my families going to think about? What are my parents going to think about? My siblings going to think about me? Like, man, but that's the vulnerability. That's the juice because yeah. that's being, because when we see people that are successful, we automatically put them on a pedestal. We put mm. ourselves in the pedestal. I can never be like that person because, but they don't realize behind the scenes. There's a lot of it's work. organized chaos. We don't see all the, the you know, there's yeah. benefits and drawbacks to everything. So the thing is, is that success is a series of well-managed failures. 
Mm. You're going to fail a lot. You're going to have a lot of setbacks and adversities and challenges. And that's the key thing when I take people hiking is I'm always saying to people, and that's why I love hiking because when it's a good cardio workout, because you're going to struggle sometimes depends mm. on the weather, depends on the elevation. Like when I go to Mount Kilimanjaro in a few months, I'm going to go to 19,340 feet. Now yeah. I've been training for the last year to hike Mount Kilimanjaro and I overtrain, I overprepare for safety purposes and also to mitigate risks with my family. So they feel safe and secure that I'm not doing something crazy. That yeah. I'm over but you but can't also, train up there. I don't know high altitude sickness, high altitude yeah. training, right? So I, I, but I got to trust my body and trust my team and my guides around me and drink lots of water and take the necessary actions and the disciplines and the habits to do that, to prepare for myself, yeah. but also too, it's, it's an experience. So if I should receive, start to get altitude sickness and not feel good, which is normal, rather than like, oh my gosh, I'm not feeling good here at this high elevation, say, great. Thank you, body, for doing this. I know you're going to work through this. I know we're going to, and just honor and appreciate my human body for what it's experiencing. Yeah. And knowing that we're in this together, we're going to get through this because as I'm doing Kilimanjaro, I'm also raising 25,000 US dollars through Link Foundation to build a new playground for the children through in Liberia, West Africa for the Link Leadership Academy. We're going to build a playground later this year for some of the most impoverished children on the planet. We're going to bring mm. play. You know, millions of children around the world yeah. never get a chance to play. Yeah. You know, in, in second, third world countries, children play three games. They play hide and go seek. They play kick the stick and they play tag because they're imaginary games. Mm. Imagine bringing a playground into a village and bringing play in where people can have fun and laughter and joy and celebration. And, and that's what I bought because, because every child should have the right to play. Yeah. And amazing. to be fully alive and be fully self-expressed and have that creativity and have that imagination and have yeah. that connectivity to other people. So that's what I'm going to do. And so people, so when I want to maybe quit, when things get hard and difficult climbing Mount Kilimanjaro, in my mind, like I'm doing this for the children of Link Foundation, Link Leadership Academy, we're going to build a playground for these children. And I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to quit. Yeah. Because in life, we may quit on ourselves, but we won't quit on other people. You don't quit on other people, do you? No. 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 Oh, I love it. Oh, I love it all. Now, I know we've, I'm going to run out of time here. I've quickly got to ask you a few things. First of all, how do you fit it all into your day? Because in the book, you're like, I write in my journal. I do, you know, you've, you've got all of the things you're to be, you, you read 10 pages every day of something. Yeah, like how do you put it all in? Yeah, great question. So the key thing is a structure. So if it's not scheduled in your calendar, it does not exist in your life. <laughs> your calendar must be amazing. Yeah. And it's color coded, right? It's, it, it's, it's color coded. <laughs> right it's all color code so I, I can you can never go over time i cannot go over time today well i have alarms i have alarms that will go off if, if, if we get too long my alarms will go off every day i set alarms according to my calendar my mobile phone yeah because early to me is on time and on time is late so i'm always in integrity wow that's the thing is i'm always managing expectations of my integrity because here's something to remember suzanne this is gold your word creates your world Mm -hmm. Your word creates your world. What if whatever you give your word to, just like a lot of people, and I meet a lot of farmers and people, they say, you know, when I grew up, you know, my word was my handshake. And I never went to, when I went to the bank and I met the bank manager for a loan to buy my farm tractor, I, I shook my hand because my last name meant something in my community. I didn't have all these legal paperwork. I got to fill it today. Yeah. I mean, people still today, you know, that, that are, are that way. And, and uh, the key thing is our word creates our world. 
So what if we could just notice how we live our lives by what we give a word to? Because most people, and we hear this in the business world today, that talk is cheap. Mm. I think let's go one step further. Most people cheapen their talk because their words have no power. Mm. Right? Yeah. I'll give an example. If I was to show up too late to this call today with you, first thing I would have done is I would have addressed and restored my integrity. Yeah. Because I gave my word, I accepted the calendar invitation by you to be here on time and in place. I showed up five minutes early because early to me is on time, just as a buffer of time as contingency plan, just in case Zoom video had to do some security updates. Yeah. I'm still early and I'm still on time. Yeah. Because if I would have showed up one or two minutes early and all of a sudden security updates had to happen on Zoom, I would have been late to this call and I would have been out of integrity. Okay, Darren, I'm going to be sending my children over to you <laughs> because- Come hiking with me on ETV. I'm on time. My children are not. <laughs> and it is like a volcanic explosion in my house when we're trying to get somewhere on time. <laughs> Depends on their age. You might have to leave them behind sometimes, drive away and have them Well, this is it. Them. This is it. I'm known as the woman who has left her son behind and he has to catch the jitney to school. <laughs> yeah. The key thing is also, too, is, is let them know what the impact is by yeah. their actions. Right. That's like right. people don't realize sometimes when they're late, how they show up in other people's lives. Mm -hmm. And they may not really say this out loud is you're unreliable. One yeah, of the things yeah. I love about hiking is hiking is a great interview process for me. I learned this from Chip Wilson, the founder of Lululemon. Okay. Yeah. So the founder of Lululemon, lives in Vancouver, Canada, you know, multi-billionaire guy. Chip takes people hiking up the grouse grind in North Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. If he wants to hire people for any of his projects or he's investing anything, because when you're hiking, you can't lie. Mm. everything's on display because behavior never lies yeah so i have many people say darren i want to come out hiking with you and, and when i'm traveling i hike all over the world right and people say i'll be there i had just last week i had three people were to come hiking with me and all three people no showed because it was rain outside not one of those three people text messaged me emailed me no. told me to say they wouldn't show up no way two of the people are raising money for their company I'm not going to invest in them. They're a definite no. The other person wanted to talk to me about an opportunity to joint venture with one of my companies. Not going to do it. You know, the reason why is behavior never lies. Yeah. And when it comes to human behavior, what I always do with my teams as part of discovering due diligence is just like money. There's three types of money. There's calm money, cautious money, and nervous money. When it comes to your intuition, you're either calm, cautious, or nervous. So when these three people never even had the courtesy to send me a text message, which would have taken 30 seconds and said, hey, Darren. It does that. I'm not <laughs> yeah. And these, these are what they call professional business people that are on social media, yeah. raising their business and looking to joint venture and do business development. And, you know, and, I, and, and I'm not trying to toot my own horn here, but, you know, I've been knighted. I play life at a very high level. I could have changed all three of those people's lives through my contacts, my resources, my mm. knowledge my history, my experience, I could have really been a major contribution to all three of those people and really planted a lot of seeds of greatness in their lives. Yeah. But they chose to close those doors based on their actions and their mm. lack of integrity yeah. by not communicating with me. And the thing is, so if they do reach out to me, the first thing I'm going to listen to is, are they going to honor and restore their integrity first off? Mm. If they don't honor and restore their integrity, I'm out. Mm. If because you're listening to this is, podcast and it was you. I'll give them a second chance. I'll give them a second chance. <laughs> when I'm listening to see if they're going to restore their integrity. Yeah. Because without integrity, nothing works. Because if That's I'm right. going to start off the relationship in terms of building relationship with no integrity, I'm yeah. starting off the relationship with no integrity. That's can't right. do that. 
That's right. And that's exactly what I'm trying to teach my kids. You know, this is it. These are, these are the life lessons that you have to have. Um, and you know what, this is one of the, one of the reasons I so wanted to have you on as well was because, I mean, we've covered it. It's called, I call, I've called the podcast voices to dream for a reason, because I believe in, you know, we're talking about goal setting. I believe that we need to have our dreams. Dreams are hope, you know, and this is, this is what, for me, it's like dreaming big. It's dreaming big about the systems in the world. It's dreaming big about yourself, your relationships and figuring out how to make the world a better place, you know? And for me, I've learned as well that, you know, that starts with me. I can't mm-hmm. make the world a better place without making myself a better person, you know? And the voices part is to use your voice. You're you're constantly saying it, you know, that it's all about communication. And it is for me, it's about like communication, community, connection, and compassion, you know? Yes. And make a request, which I talk about in the book. That's but make it. A request. For every question you don't ask, the answer is always no. And when you make a request, people either will accept the request. That's right. Find the request or counter offer the request, but make the request. That's right. If you don't ask the question, you don't know what the answer is going to be. (laughs) You've set the answer yourself. So it doesn't make sense. So that's where I really, yeah, I feel the, the link, you know, and that's why I just thought you were such a good fit for this. So I'm so grateful. And I was, I was going to ask you about like what you would suggest for people to do in their day, like that make a, could make a change now, but this is what the entire podcast has been. Well, I'll give tea, if you're open to this. Yeah, give, yeah if you've got time. <laughs> two questions. I like people to write this down. Two questions. Yeah. Number question number one is where am I not requesting in my life? I want you to take a look. I want you to do an audit in your life. I want you to just take a look at your life mm-hmm. of what's working and what's not working. Mm-hmm. Right. Just look at your life and ask your question: where am I not requesting in my life? So whatever's not giving you joy, fulfillment, satisfaction, a return on life, a return on energy. Where are you not requesting? So for giving an example, um, if you haven't been on a date night for a number of months and your spouse or partner or other is saying to me, you know, we're not spending quality time. We're not, this relationship, you know, needs to get back at a higher level. Then where can you go ahead and make a request to have your children be babysat? If you've got children, you're like, well, I don't have a budget for that. Okay, great. Who in your neighborhood do you trust? Who's a family member, a friend, a coworker, colleague that could come over for a few hours or you could have your kids go to somebody else's house and you can make that request you can go out and have a date night or a date afternoon or a date morning with your spouse or partner. Mm-hmm. So question number one is, where am I not requesting in my life? Just take a look. Now, some of you say, well, I want to grow my finances in my business. I run a small business. Okay, great. Where are you not making requests in your life? So where are you not making requests for introductions, endorsements, recommendations, referrals, somebody to help you out, somebody to mentor, guide you, coach you, direct you, give you counsel, advise your service. Where are you not making requests? Okay. Question number is, where am I not requesting my life? Okay. Mm-hmm. And it could be around your health. You may have somebody in your family right now that has a health crisis, that has a health challenge, and you're scared. You're like, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, we just found out some really bad news from the doctors that, you know, one of my relatives has, has a health situation. So where are you not requesting? Who in your life is really good at health or really good at doing research or really good at doing discovery that can help collaborate with you to help find something for you as a potential solution or give you some advice or some counsel? So question number one is where am I not requesting my life? Question number two is who do you become as a human being when you're not making requests? Who do you become as a human being when you're not making requests? I want you to look at, are you being stingy? Are you contracting or are you expanding in your life? Who do you become as a human being 
when you're not making requests. Because when you're not making requests, you're not creating invitations of opportunities to people to come play with you and come join you. Mm. You're doing a disservice to humanity by not making requests because then you allow other people to be a contribution to your life. Mm-hmm. I, I learned this the hard way in my life. As I was on the come up in my life, I had many people say to me, Darren, why aren't you asking me to help you? Yeah. But, you know, when I made some big mistakes in my life that cost me financially big time that almost wiped me out, people are like, you know, Darren, if you would have asked me, I would have, I would have given you some advice and saved you the pain of going through that, 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 <laughs> that challenge, but you yeah. didn't ask. Yeah. Because your ego got in the way. Yeah. Because you're so self-centered and so egotistical that you got in the way and it's a total blind spot for ah, you. Ah, I didn't even think of like the ego part of it. Like when you first said that, my first thought was like, like a turtle, you know, as soon as you stop requesting things, you're like going into your shell. And I know a lot of people so, who are in that place, you know, and they're scared. Can I share a story with you for just a couple, just a couple minutes? That was yeah. a very powerful story. So many years ago, I was traveling the world doing corporate training seminars, and I was earning $200 a day, plus my travel expenses. And my goal was to get to $500 a day. It was an eight-hour seminar. So from 9 a.m. to 4 p.m., <laughs> I was being paid $200, plus all the preparation time before that mm. corporate training seminar. So I was working, I was making less probably than minimum wage. You would work at Walmart as a greeter and make more money than I was making. But I was passionate about doing the corporate training seminars. So one day, a friend of mine, he brings me to a mastermind program on a Tuesday afternoon for entrepreneurs and business owners. And I was like, I, I don't want to go to that event because I need to I need to make phone calls and network because I that one day of going to this mastermind is less $200. I need to make the 200 bucks. I got bills to pay. He's like, you need to come. So I go to this mastermind where there's, there's these men and women are in this room and they're much more successful than me, older than me, much more smart than me. And I walk in and I feel incompetent. I feel intimidated. I feel scared. I feel anxiety. I feel all these stresses in my body. And I'm, I want to just run out the door. My yeah. body's like, no, stay, stay, just stay a couple hours. You're safe. You're not going to get hurt. But I feel, I feel like I'm nobody. I feel like I haven't accomplished anything in my life with these people in the room. I'm intimidated by these people. I put them on a pedestal. I put myself in the pit. And, he, and so we get towards like the last 45 minutes to an hour of the mastermind program. And they ask for someone to come forward and sit in the hot seat. So I don't know what a hot seat is, but it basically somebody who's got something they want to solve or a crisis or a problem in their life. They come sit in the hot seat and they get feedback from the mastermind participants. Yeah. So anyway, the guy says, let's have Darren Jacklin go there. I'm like, no, I'm just a guest. I'm just a fly on the wall. I'm, I'm not, I'm not going up there in the hot seat. I'm just a guest. It's I'm the hot seat. <laughs> exactly. This is way out of my comfort zone. So I'm a definite no, right? I'm, I'm, I'm a no, I am not going. So anyways, the group decides, no, you're going, you're our guest. We want you up. I'm like, I'm a hard no, we're not going, you know? <laughs> and they're like, you either go, we're going to, we're going to pick your chair up and put you in the front of the, the room. And I'm like really confrontational right now. Like I'm not going like, this is a hard no, I'm not going. I'll run up the room. <laughs> so we get in this argument and the guy said to me, he said, listen, are you going to shut up? Are you going to stop arguing <laughs> for your limitations? Are you going to stop arguing for your limitations? Because you always want to be right. And how's it working for you? So I'm like, oh, fine. Okay, I'm not coachable. So I need to become coachable. So I start, I say, okay, fine, I'll be coachable. So I come out, fine. I surrender, I'll be coachable. So I get up there. First question the guy asked me, I don't even know who he is. He says, how much do you make a day doing these corporate training seminars? And I said, I get paid $200 a day plus my travel expenses. And he goes, how do you live on that? And I said, well, I live paycheck to paycheck, but I love what I do. And I like making a difference in people's lives. And I do what I do very well. I'm, I'm best in class at corporate training. 
And he goes, so he starts asking me a couple other questions about my business model and how I do things and how I book my leads. And I'm making 400 cold calls a day, 2,000 cold calls a week. That's what I'm doing. 400 cold calls a day out of the telephone books yeah. I'm making. Yeah. Okay? I'm dialing for dollars here. The guy said to me, he said, listen, I want you to come back next month to this mastermind group. And I want you, when you're making these phone calls, you're getting rejected at $200 a day. I want you to start asking these people on the other line of the phone, these people you're talking to for corporate trade service because you're booking corporate trade service. I want you to start asking for $10,000 a day. I'm like, you're absolutely nuts. I don't even make 10 grand in a month. I don't even make 10 grand in two, two or three months sometimes, right? I'm not going to ask for $10. I, I can't afford that amount of rejection. I'm getting rejected now, but I start making, I, I'm not going to be able to pay my bills on time. I'm going to get in lots of debt here. And I start arguing with this guy. And the guy goes, listen, are you going to take my coaching or not? I said, listen, you don't understand my industry. Nobody's going to pay $10,000 for a day of corporate training seminars. I'm, I'm getting rejected $200 a day. Yeah, yeah. And I want to get to $500 a day. That's my target. So we get into this argument. Finally, the, the group goes at me and they start at me. I'm like, oh, fine. <laughs> okay, I'll just, I'll become coachable. I'm not going to argue for my limitations. I'm not going to always be right. Fine, I'll take it. But you guys don't what you're talking about and I'm going to win here. I'm going to prove each and every one of you in this room. You guys <laughs> don't know what the heck you're talking about and you're all wrong. And I'm going to get, and I'm right and you're going to be all wrong. And I will fight for this because I'm going to prove you all wrong. Two days later, Suzanne, I get a telephone call from a big corporation in North America. That 18 months earlier, I was at a big conference with over a thousand people and this executive was in this room and he saw me do a corporate training seminar with this big, large audience. Calls me up 18 months ago, goes, hi, may I speak to Darren Jacklin? I'm speaking. Hi, this is so-and-so calling from this company. I'm like, oh yeah. And what they also told me, Suzanne, too, if I don't mind being a little graphic, they told me in this mastermind that if I'm being scared to ask for $10,000, I have to reach down and grab my balls and start squeezing my balls, pain or pleasure. Okay, just full full transparency, full authenticity here. So I'm on the phone, and two days later, 40 hours later, I'm thinking, oh, I know what's going on. These people in this mastermind group contacted one of their contacts. It's a setup. Because it's a setup. Exactly. I know this call's being recorded. I know where this is. I know what's going on here now. They're testing me. Okay. <laughs> They're testing me to see if I'm gonna fall through on asking for ten thousand dollars to see how coachable I am. Because I'm not coachable, right? <laughs> and so I'm gonna see how coachable I am. And so I, I go ahead and I'm on the phone and the guy goes, okay, I need to bring you into this corporate retreat. we got 12 executives. We're going to be in the Canadian Rockies and we're going to this, this Quantum Leaps Lodge in Golden, British Columbia, Canada, right? In the middle of the Canadian Rockies. we got 12 executives going there. You're going to train all day in a corporate training seminar. Then we're going to do a, a whitewater rafting trip down the Canadian Rockies in, the, in yeah. the water. So he goes, how much for a day of corporate training? Now remember, I was going to ask for $200. Yeah. So I, I'm like, oh gosh, I got to ask for $10,000. <laughs> and he already knows how much you charged last time. Yes, correct. <laughs> $200 plus my travel, right? <laughs> so I stop and I, and I just like freeze. I'm like, oh my gosh, I am freaking scared right now. So I start grabbing my balls for real. And I'm scared of pain or pleasure. And I start grabbing, I thought, oh my gosh. And I'm sweating. Like he can't see me because I'm on the telephone. I'm sweating. I am shaking. And, and I'm just vibrating, Suzanne. And I go, $10,000. Because I thought, this is a setup. I'm being recorded. Yeah. Pause. Dead silent on the phone. I thought he hung up the telephone, this executive, right? <laughs> it's on. He goes, done. 
And I'm like, yeah, well, done. That's all it is. He goes, done. My executive says, we'll call you back within the next 90 minutes with a FedEx tracking number. We'll FedEx you 50% of the deposit. The other 50% will be paid in four months when you come and do the corporate training seminar. And we'll pay for your travel expenses up front. And my assistant will sort all that with you. She'll call you the next 90 minutes. Hangs up the phone. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, this ain't going to happen. This ain't going to happen. So fine. Right. So turn up the executive assistant calls me back within an hour and a half. She calls me up, wants my mailing address to send me a FedEx overnight. Certified They're like, wow, well, these guys have gone to a lot of effort. Oh, yeah. So she gets all my content. Now, here's the thing. I'm struggling financially. I need that $5,000. I yeah. got I got to keep my own money too. Yeah. So I get off the phone. I give her the mailing address. I, I sort the data out, get it in my calendar. They send me over an agreement. I sign it, uh, all that stuff, right? Get it all papered up. And um, I start calling people that I owe money to because I got money coming in. I got a FedEx check coming for 5K tomorrow. Yeah. So I start calling these people. Sure enough, that night I go into FedEx.com. I see the FedEx track and I'm like, gosh, the, 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 it's going in the air. It's going in the, it's going in the air FedEx plane. This is really happening. Oh my gosh. So next day, I'm so excited to see the FedEx delivery driver. Like I wanted to give the guy a hug, you know, when the FedEx truck pulled up. I run out there. I grab that check. I run off to the bank. To deposit the five thousand dollars, and I think okay, I got to pay my taxes. I got to set money aside in my tax account, and the rest, I got to I, I got to catch up on some outstanding bills here and some debts because I'm out of integrity. So I, I I'm at the bank teller, and uh, the lady I said she's like, anything I can help you with? We've deposited your check. I said, yeah, I need to withdraw the money. She's oh, Mr. Jacqueline. She says uh, we don't uh, recognize the out of province uh, name on this check. I'm like, well, this is a big company. It's a nationalized company but it's in our province. I'm in British Columbia, Canada. It's out of province. She goes, we have to put a five-day business hold on the check. I'm like, I, I can't do that. I just phoned these people and told them I was going to drive by and drop off money to them and pay them because I'm <laughs> outstanding with them. Oh my gosh. Crisis, problems, adversities, right? So I'm like, okay, is it, can I talk to the branch manager? Like, oh, wait, I need the money. Like she's like, no, there's nothing we can do. You don't have a good bank relationship with us. You don't have a good credit. You bounced some checks in the past and you don't have a good relationship with us. I'm thinking, oh my gosh, five-day business hold. So I leave the bank and I'm just depressed. I'm deflated. I get in the car. I'm just like, oh my gosh. Oh, I got to phone these people up now. And and I just, the phone weighs like fire. So I call these people. Of course, they're already upset with me because I've already done this game multiple times. You know, I'll pay tomorrow. I'll pay tomorrow on the checks in the mail. And there's no yeah, checks in the yeah. mail. I don't have any money. I'm in overdraft, right? So anyways, I get all that sorted out. Very stressful day. But if I did business on the check, finally, I get caught up. I pay these people the outstanding debts. Four months later, I go do the corporate training somewhere. Here's where the life lessons is. Your audience will always remember this. I go meet with this guy. I do the corporate training seminar. He's a chain smoker. He smokes players like cigarettes. This guy's smoking a couple packs of cigarettes a day, this executive. Yeah. And, and um, so we finish the day of corporate training and I play at an Olympic gold medal level. Like I am, I am prepared. Like I'm, it's, it's like gold medal level corporate training material that day. Right. I was at my <laughs> ultimate level, right. To de over deliver. At the end of the day, the, the guy goes, he goes, let's go for a walk down the river. We're in the Canadian Rockies. And the rest of the executives go for a whitewater rafting, right? On a team building exercise. So we're walking down the riverbank and he's got his players light cigarettes in his pouch. And he's got my check for $5,000, which I desperately need. Yeah. Because I, I got people I still owe money to now, right? Because I'm a little behind on my promises. And we're walking down the riverbank to debrief. And he looks at me and he goes, he's a real redneck. He goes, I got a question to ask you. Four months ago, when I called you up on the telephone, I asked you how much for a day your corporate training seminars. And I'm thinking, oh, shoot, 
the last time was $200. I asked for 10 grand. He's yeah. upset. He's yeah. going to want a refund. Like he's like thinking I ripped him off. Right. Yeah. Or stole from him. Right. I'm thinking, man, I, I hope he doesn't want a refund because, because this money's already, <laughs> this already been spent. Like yeah. it's already, it's already gone. Like I don't, I, I, I can't repay. So anyways, he goes, I asked you a question. How much money? When I asked you how much for a day of corporate training, why'd you tell me $10,000? And I am freaking scared, but I'm like a duck on top of the water, nice and proper underneath my feet are paddling really fast, but you can't see my duck feet underneath the water. Yeah. I'm so scared. Right. And I don't know what this guy's going to do. He's a real redneck guy. We're out in the middle of the Canadian Rockies. Machete. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I look at him, I'm like, you know, I feel I just delivered, you know, gold medal, Olympic level corporate training material today. The evaluations will speak for itself. Your 12 executives will like it because they're doing an evaluation. You know, the KPIs, key performance indicators, the metrics will all be there. And I know that all over delivering, you'll see a return on your investment. He looks at me and goes, are you open to some feedback? Here again, here's this coachable opportunity, right? I'm not coachable, right? Yeah, yeah. For me in my 20s, I'm not coachable. I'm coachable now, but I wasn't coachable. He goes, are you open to some feedback? I'm thinking, okay, yeah. He goes, you know what? When I called you up four months ago on the telephone, Darren, I asked you how much for a day of corporate training. You told me $10,000. You should have asked me how much is in my budget or what I was willing to pay for the corporate training day. You know, Darren, I had budgeted to pay you $25,000 for the day <laughs> plus first class. I never flown first class. I just went economy class. <laughs> I never had first class travel expenses before. That was a whole other level that I wasn't didn't have any experience with. I was going to pay you $25,000 for the day plus first class travel expenses. Reaching into his pocket, he hands me the check, goes, here's your other $5,000. Hope you learned the lesson today. Let's walk back to camp and sit around the campfire and, and meet with the other crew. <laughs> he was going to pay me $15,000 more. more. Imagine this, Suzanne. Imagine that day, 48 hours later after that mastermind, if I would have got on the telephone and said, yeah, I'm, I'm willing to come do a corporate training offsite retreat in the Canadian Rockies for your top 12 executives to a multi-billion dollar corporation, and I'm willing to do it for $200. Do you think he, for $200 he would have put me in front of those senior executives? No, that's In his mind, he'd already seen me 18 months earlier, and his expectation was to pay me $25,000 plus first class travel expenses. Wow. Wow. He believed more in me, Suzanne, than I believed in myself. Mm. He believed more in me than I believed in myself. Yeah. I believed myself as a $200 a day person. He believed me at $25,000 for a day. Yeah. Plus first class expenses. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that is such a good story. <laughs> Changed my life. And that's, oh my, yeah. Such a good story. And that, is, uh, I mean, that has me written all over it. I'm that person. I'm the old you. <laughs> I'm the old you who's like, yeah. but it's it's just me. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. you don't have to pay me anything. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'll work for free. Yeah, yeah. And he was one that he had a budget of twenty five thousand dollars a day plus first class travel expenses that he was going to pay for. Uh, and I asked for ten thousand dollars because I was in a I was in an argument and a confrontation with a kind of mastermind group yeah. who was telling me it was not coachable and I'm arguing for my limitations and I yeah. just shut up. Wow, and, and I don't want to be right. Listeners, what are you not requesting? <laughs> oh, I love it. Such a good story. Before I know we'll have to get going, but I've got to ask, where can we, where can the listeners find you? How can they stay in touch? What are you up to okay. now? You know, love to have people come out and, and, and they can go to hikingfundraiser.com. That's one of the great sites, hikingfundraiser.com. Yeah. And whether you like hiking or you don't, or you're walking. We got some great hiking uh, E2E merchandise. We got hats, got uh, water bottles, got backpacks, got jackets. 
All the proceeds go to Link Foundation. Um, you can get a tax receipt. And also, too, it goes to help build the schools for some of the most impoverished children on the planet. So if you don't want to come out hiking, at least buy some of the merchandise for yourself mm -hmm. for hiking. Uh, and I'd love to have you come out hiking. We um, There's a place for you to join on the hike on the hikingfunders.com, your contact information, and we'll keep you in the loop of hikes that we're doing across North America. Then in the next couple of years, as we grow on scale, we'll be doing it internationally. We're in conversations already about that as well. But go to hikingfundraiser.com, hikingfundraiser.com, and that will also link to my social media uh, where you can connect with me as well. And if you want to spend some time with me, come out hiking. I love hiking. Yeah. And uh, you'll meet some great people being our container of our ecosystem. And it will be one of the greatest days of your life, I'll promise you, because I really bring out some incredible people and you'll get a return on life, return on energy. And it will be one of those days that you'll remember. My mom worked in palliative care for many years as a palliative care nurse. And so I learned a lot about end of life care. And I learned mm -hmm. about how to celebrate life and really just you know experience life and get great joy. And I always say, is the juice worth the squeeze you know, of an orange? <laughs> and um, if you come out and join us at E2E Elevate to Educate, yeah. you will be feeling very enriched and very blessed with what we're doing. Wow. And okay, see, I'm looking, I'm looking at the picture behind you and I'm like, I don't have any of that stuff. Do you let us, do you let the people know what they need before they come oh, on yeah. the hike? Okay. Yeah, this is one of more of our advanced hikes. Yeah. But the hikes we do are, are family friendly with children, young children, people from all walks of life, whether you're a beginner, you're intermediate or you're advanced, mm. we make the hike accessible to anybody from all walks of life so they can have an enjoyment day. And then we'll be doing some more advanced hikes in the in the coming months and years with Elevate to Educate as well for some people that are more you know, advanced levels and some of that are more competitive uh, that like doing the Tough Mudders and yeah. the Ironman. Yes. We'll have that opportunity for some people as well. Uh, I love outdoor exercise as well. That's my, uh, that's so my jam. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Go to hikingfundraiser.com and also you can order, uh, I think on the site there as well, you can order eat, um, you know, the book until I become as well, which is a great book as well. Yes. Beautiful. And I will have, I'll put all of that below and sure. in the bio and that for everyone as well. If they're, if they're wondering, I am so grateful for you coming. Thank you so much, Darren. Thank yeah, you for sharing your time with us because yeah, time's time's something we can't get back either. I'm so appreciative. So Darren, Jacqueline, everyone. Thank you so much. Grateful to be here. Oh, see you soon, everyone.